Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 23. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Let me read you something before we get going tonight. Let me have your attention, if you will. When God wants to drill a man and thrill a man and skill a man, when God wants to mold a man to play the noblest part, when he yearns with all of his heart to create so great and bold a man that all the world shall be amazed, watch his methods, watch his ways. How he ruthlessly perfects whom he royally elects. How he hammers him and hurts him with mighty blows, converts him into trial shapes of clay, which only God understands, while he, while his tortured heart is crying and he lifts beseeching hands, how he bends but never breaks, and when his good he undertakes, how he uses whom he chooses and with every purpose fuses him, by every act induces him to try his splendor out, God knows what he's about. I like that last line. God knows what he's about. First Samuel chapter 23, that's what it's all about. God knowing what David is all about. If you've been with us, you know David is at a difficult time in his life. Get your pen, get your pad. David is at a difficult time in his life. David has lost everything. He's lost his position. He's lost his wife. He's lost his mentor and longtime counselor, Samuel. He's lost his best friend, Jonathan. He's even lost his self-respect. Now, at this point, David is a fugitive running from city to city from Saul. Chapter 21, were you with me? David had gone to the city of Nob, or we call it the city of the priest, asking for bread and water. Come on, peruse with me in chapter 21. Asking for bread and water, look at verse 1, came to the city of Nob, and he talked to a priest by the name of Ahimelech. And he was asking for bread and water, and he wind up later on asking for a weapon. And one of the priests, Ahimelech, gave him some sustenance. Well, at the same time, there was a man named named Doag who recognized David. Doag was a servant of Saul, and he told Saul that Ahimelech helped David. And Saul didn't like the fact that someone helped David. Y'all remember? So he had 86 priests killed. Can you imagine? 86 men of God, you take it upon yourself to have them killed. What kind of arrogance is that? What were you thinking? And then he had all the people of the city of Nob killed by the sword as well. Well, last time in chapter 22, not last week, but the week before, David is hiding in the cave of Adullam, remember? And while he's hiding in the cave, 400 distressed, in debt, and discontent men show up, and they're going to become David's cracked army troops. 
Well, after the slaughter of the innocent people, Ahimelech's son, Abathar, escaped, and he found David, and he told him what happened. Chapter 22, and look at verse 23. David told Abathar to stay with him, and he'll be safe. Well, that's where we left off the last time, and we pick up. I've titled this sermon, Lessons in the Wilderness. First Samuel, chapter 23, saints. We pick up in verse 1. If you're looking at verse 1, say amen. And then they told David, saying, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah, and they're robbing the threshing floors. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord, underlined that saying, shall I go and attack the Philistines? And the Lord said to David, go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah, Keilah, is how you pronounce it. But David's men said to him, look, we are afraid here in Judah How much more than if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? And then David inquired of the Lord, underline that once again. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hands. And David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and struck them with the mighty blow and took away their livestock. So David did what? Save the inhabitants of Keilah. Now it happened when Abathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David at Keilah that he went down with the ephod in his hand. We're going to talk about this. And Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah. So Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering the town that has gates and bars. And then Saul called all the people together for war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. And when David knew that Saul plotted evil against him, he said to Abathar, the priest, bring the ephod here. And David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come. And then David said, will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will deliver you. So David and his men and about 600 arose and departed from Keilah and went wherever they could. And then it was told Saul that David had escaped from Keilah. And so he halted the expedition saying, stop right there. Give me your attention. If you've been with us, you know The Philistines are perpetual enemies of Israel. The Israelis were an agrarian people, an agrarian people. That's your word for the day. It simply means that they lived off the land. During harvest season, you had your crops and your grains come in, and then people would eat. They would have food. Now, the Philistines are stealing the food from the people of Keilah. And if they continue to do that, that would mean starvation for the people of God. Now, listen, Keilah is a city of Judah. This is very important for you to understand. You don't get this, you're going to miss the whole point of chapter 23. Keilah is a city of Judah. That means what? These are David's people. It's a city of Judah and it's under the king, King Saul's jurisdiction. So it was Saul's job to protect the people, not David. But notice the people brought the problem to David and not Saul. You see, the people are already relating to David as king because Saul wasn't doing his job. And so the Lord gave the job to David. Now listen, 
God loves his people too much to let them suffer with an unfaithful king. And if Saul won't do the job and what God called him to do, then God will choose another. Listen, on Sunday mornings, are you with me on Sunday mornings? You know that we're going through the gifts of the spirit. And each gift we talked about, everyone has a gift and we're expected to use that gift for the glory of God. But if you don't use your gift, God will simply raise up another and they will do it. You know, I don't think we get it. I don't think we get that we don't deserve to serve God. I need more than 10 people to say amen right there. We don't deserve to serve God. We get to serve God. I feel it is the highest honor, as hard as it is sometimes, to get my body in this pulpit. I've often told you, those three steps are the longest walk ever. But when I get here, it is a privilege to stand and serve God. It is a privilege for me. God didn't have to use me. You know how many people there is in Philadelphia? (laughs) Amen. Five million. God can use anybody. We get to serve God. It is our blessing to serve God. It's not a blessing to God for you to serve him as if God is so happy that you're serving him. God's not that happy you're serving him. You're not that great. You need to write that down. You're not that great. You're not a trophy in God's curio. So when people come in, God says, let me come come to my dining room and look at these great people that I've... And you stand there in all your glory. That ain't happening. You get to serve God. It's your blessing to serve God. It's not God's blessing for you to serve him. That's your blessing. So the problem, we got a lot to cover. The problem comes to David's attention. And note this, saints, and you should write this down because this is applicable to every single one of us. Whenever a problem comes our way, the first thing we need to do is do what? Pray. You got it. Notice the first thing David did. He prayed. Look at verse 2. David inquired of the Lord. I think it was Chuck Smith who said, you can't do anything until you've prayed, but there's nothing you can't do after you've prayed. Interesting. David's not bitter. David's not mad at God. David prayed, Lord, should I go and fight the Philistines? And God said, go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. Listen, this is why God chose David to be king in the first place. David is concerned for the people of Israel. Saul is killing the priest of Israel. David says, shall I go? And God said, go. Look at verse three and four. David's men said, we're scared. (laughs) Amen. David said, well, we don't know these people. We don't know the people of Keilah. We, 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 we We don't know them. And not only that, we're not trained. Remember, these men are in debt, discontent, and distressed. Just like some of y'all look right now. You can relate. They've not been to training. They've not been to 
field medical service school or, you know, all the various field trainings and mountain warfare trainings. And they've not been through all this training. They don't know anything about warfare. Remember, the people of Israel, I've said this to you often, please listen to me. The people of Israel were not warriors. They were worshipers. God called them to be worshipers, not warriors. They had to fight. But even when they had to fight, it was God fighting for them. Even if they thought they were winning, they were only winning because God was in front of them taking out the enemy because they weren't that good at fighting. If they would have been in Philadelphia, they would have got beat up. (laughs) Amen. God always went ahead of them. Go and save the people. They weren't going to save anybody. God's going to do the work. Go into the land and wipe out all the Hittites, the, Am- the Amorites, the, the, the Jebusites, the, the, the Parasites, and, and the Hittites, and all the other ites. Knock, kill them all. Men, women, children, boy, girl, goat, cat, dog. Kill them all. And they probably went in, we killed them. We're going to go in here and knock this thing down. Y'all ain't doing nothing. God was before you. You know, it's almost like when your children are small and, you know, they, like, are wanting to help you cut the grass. So you get the little kid lawnmower that doesn't really have any blades under it, but they think it does have blades under it. And you're walking behind them and, 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 you know, you're holding on. They're under you and you're holding on to the thing and you're staring them. And they're like, ooh, we're cutting the grass, daddy, aren't we? Ooh. And then when it's all done, it looked the same way it did before you started. But, but, the, but you go, you did a good job. Good job. It's like they didn't do nothing. Actually, I did more pushing than you did. Israelis were not warriors. They were worshipers. They love God and they, they worship God. So these men who are in debt and discontent, they have every reason to be afraid because they're not used to fighting. And then here it is, their first battle is against the brutal war machine, the Philistines. I'm sure somebody said, David, you need to ask God again. We need to make sure that this is the will of God. Now listen, David doesn't need this at this time. He's got 400 men with thin resumes and bad credit. (laughs) He had had enough trouble with Saul, didn't need any more trouble. And not only that, but think about it, for David to go and fight the Philistines would bring David out into the open where Saul can get him. So God said, go but it doesn't seem to make any earthly sense. But here's a sign of a great leader. Notice David doesn't say, listen, I'm in charge. I'm the anointed one. I'm the one that the oil got poured over my head. I'm the one that was standing there when a prophet Samuel walked by and whispered in my ear, you're the next anointed king. David didn't do that. David didn't say, you guys are in debt, discontent, and, and, and stressed out, so why would I listen to you? David doesn't do that. Notice in verse 4, David did what? Prayed again. And the Lord gave him, that's a sign of a good leader. Is that not right? He's humble enough. David know what God told him the first time. But if you got a bunch of men saying, oh, man, I don't know. And by the way, I'm scared. 
Well, then we're going to go pray again. If we go pray again and God say the same thing, I ain't praying the third time. Made me look like no fool in front of God. But that's a good leader. He didn't put them down or tell them, I'm the big leader. Or I'm the big man on campus. Y'all going to do what I tell you to do. He didn't do that. He went and prayed again, the Bible says, and the Lord gave him the same answer that he gave him the first time. Go to Keilah and I will deliver the Philistines into your hands. I believe David prayed again because David is humble. Somebody say amen. And David is humble enough. Here's another great sign of a good leader. He's humble enough to know that it is possible that he could be wrong. You are not a good leader if you don't think that you can ever be wrong. Like, you're never wrong. You're human, just like everybody else. You could be wrong, especially when it comes to hearing from God. That's why you surround yourself with people. That's why the Bible says there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. That's because you don't know everything. I know some of y'all think you do, but you don't know everything that is. There's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, memory verse, one of my favorite. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, do what, saints? Acknowledge him. And he's going to do what? If you acknowledge the Lord and you pray, God's going to direct your path. And I think these guys are saying, David, will go with you, but let's be sure. Let's just make sure. And maybe they're thinking, why are we fighting these guys at Keilah? Let them fight their own battles. We're in, in debt and discontent and distress. We got our own problems. Maybe they're thinking that. Now watch this. All the names, and this really took me time today because I've never seen this before in the Bible. All the names of the places that David has been hiding have a particular meaning in David's personal life. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down. All the names of the places that David has been hiding have a particular personal meaning in David's life. It seems the names have a message of what God is doing in David's life. For example, Adullam. Remember, he was in the cave of Adullam. Adullam. Adullam means refuge, refuge. Hareth, he was in the woods of, uh, or the wilderness of Hareth. Hareth means engraving or to cut. Now he's in Keilah. Keilah, you taking notes, means slinging or swinging. Slinging or swinging like a potter slings extra clay. That's what Keilah means. In Adullam, if you've been with us, you know God was speaking to him, and he wrote Psalm 142 and Psalm 57 in that cave. Remember? In Hareth, God was engraving his character or cutting his character in David. In Keilah, David is learning to sling away his wants and his desires and be obedient and be patient. All of this is in preparation to be king. You know, I was up early this morning. I usually start studying for Wednesday night, like Monday night. But I didn't this time, and I didn't start yesterday. And I should have at least in the evening. But Pastor Jim and and Miss Melissa kept talking to me. 
and 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 they just it's just not right i would never do that to you and so <laughs> we talked to like it was what time did we go home it was like 10:15 we talked at 10.15, and I hadn't studied anything. So needless to say, I'm like stressing out, okay? I couldn't even sleep. So I finally went to, I finally went to sleep like around 12 o'clock, and I woke up at 4 o'clock, and I left and came to work. So I'm sitting here at 4 o'clock this morning, and I'm studying God's Word. And I actually, to be honest, I really like to get up really early like that and hear from God. I don't really like to study around 10, 11, 12, 1, because it's too many distractions, and I'm getting too many text messages and emails, and everybody wants something, and everybody needs two minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> just, just two minutes. Everybody needs two minutes. Two minutes turning all day for me. So, you know, I just like to be up early in the morning. Well, this morning I came in, and instead of reading 1 Samuel chapter 23, which I normally would because I'm already behind the curve, I felt like the Lord was telling me to read Nehemiah. So I started reading the book of Nehemiah, which is one of my favorite books in the Old Testament. And Calvary Chapel, you know, Nehemiah is a cupbearer in Persia. You know that. And one day, Nehemiah is walking down the hall, and he ran into some old friends, and they said, um, they said, man, have, have you heard? Nehemiah's like, heard what? They said, well, the walls of Jerusalem are burned, and, 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 and the gates have been torn down. And it was at that time, and Nehemiah sat down, and he began to pray. You see something woven here, like men of God, seeking God? First thing they do when faced with the situation is The Bible says Nehemiah sat down and prayed, and, and he began, and not only did he sit down and pray, but check this out, he prayed for four months. So the walls of Jerusalem are torn down and burned, and the, the walls literally speak of the fact that we are an unprotected people. It would be almost like the police department like goes on strike and go home. Like, like Captain Jacques would just tell everybody, you're all for the next month. Well, Apex would be totally unprotected. Except me, of course. I'd probably have Captain Jock come stay with us. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> so there, there, you know, and so, so he prayed for four months. Now keep in mind, Nehemiah had never been to the homeland at this point. He had never been to Jerusalem. He had never seen the walls. But for four months, Nehemiah prayed. Read it for yourself. Nehemiah prayed, and he waited, and he prayed, and he waited for four months. Four months later, Nehemiah is in the presence of the king, and he looks sad. Now, let me tell you something. Being in the presence of the king and looking sad is not a good thing. You're never to be in the presence of the king. It was a federal crime to be bummed out in the presence of the king. So the king said, Nehemiah, why are you so sad? Why so bummed out? And Nehemiah said, King, forgive me. The tombs of my ancestors are vulnerable. And the king said, well, how can I help? Nehemiah said, would you let me go and see what I can do? And the Bible tells us the king didn't only let him go, but the king gave him a check and he gave him provisions, and he gave him protection. Now stay with me. We're talking about preparation. We're talking about 
patience. Listen, when God wants to a work to be done, he starts looking for people. And he's not looking for complainers or whiners or critics. God is looking for people who will make themselves available to do the work of God. Nehemiah made himself available and God used him. Listen, God will use you if you want to be used. People say all the time, you know, well, I just don't have time. Well, I really want to serve the Lord, but I just don't have time. That's not true. And you probably shouldn't tell me that because I probably will tell you that is not true. That's just not true. You have time for whatever it is you want to make time for. Can we just get real, Christians? Can we get real? You have time for what you make time for. If you want to serve God, God's going to give you the time to serve him. How many times have you done something for the Lord and, and it seemed like God gave you more time than you needed? Or you gave something to the Lord and God gave you more money than you needed? Or you've done something for the Lord and God has provided more than you need? If you want to serve the Lord, you will. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.